producer extraordinaire welcome in to another edition of philly four court press uh right off the top you know we had to take a couple weeks off because uh some health challenges and family challenges that uh t will was going through i made it out okay i'm on the road to recovery i appreciate all the well wishes that i've been receiving and appreciate everyone who's had my back in this and you know we're gonna come out on top like we always do uh secondly covid is real uh oh side note i did not have covid didn't test for covid or anything like that but covid is real uh please do your part uh i had two funerals in less than you know three days apart over the past couple weeks that we were off due to covid so i want everyone just to be safe out there but other than that Mr. Nat Marlowe, it feels good to be back in the saddle. It feels good to be talking to you. How you doing, man? t well, dude, what's up? I'm doing great now that I'm talking to you again. It feels like forever since, you know, we've, since I, we've, like, actually, like, talked together, like, on a show. Yeah, it does feel like a long time, but, uh, you know, we, we never skip a beat. We, we stay with it, and, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, our Sixers have kept us, uh, communicating behind the, uh, the, the back hallways in the in uh in the inner uh, circle. So you know we've been talking, but we haven't been talking like we normally been talking, right? Well, hey, now we finally get to do a show together. So I have your bag. I'm happy you're uh, doing well. And you know, I got that phone call from you, and I was at work. We were talking for a little bit. And I was like, "Yo, dude, like, are you okay?" And it was like you told me about the health scare you went through. I'm like, "Oh my god." So yeah, like going through like what you went through, like dude, like I'm happy you're you're doing okay. Like there, it's not a life or death situation or anything like that. But yeah, seriously, folks, like no matter what, take care of your health. Yeah, there's nothing that will replace your health and physical well being. So we are living a pandemic right now. Again, like you said earlier, COVID is real. Uh, just be smart. Take care of yourselves. You know, not just for COVID reasons, but you know. Actually promote your own physical health. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and if, if anything, watching the NBA and watching what our Sixers have been going through since uh, our last time recording, that should tell you something. I mean, Seth Curry almost took out the whole squad. That. <laughs> like, how many COVID scares is this team going to go through before the season is done? Like, I'm convinced this is just conspiracy by the NBA to keep the Sixers from winning a title. I mean, really, I mean, you force them to play a game, you know, you, you force them to play a game and, and suit up Mike Scott, who's still on the injured list, just so they can play that game. But meanwhile, all around you, you have cancellations, you have postponements and reschedules games, and the Sixers are still playing. Like, it literally made no sense. So, the Sixers had a perfect home record. 
going into this season. And they had a perfect and, – and, and it carried over from the previous season under Brett Brown regime because they went undefeated at home. Or they had two losses at home. Mine's a little foggy. But regardless, they had a, a almost a, a close to a 19-game win streak, right, Nat? Something like that. Yeah, it was nuts with uh with the streaks they were getting. And and you make them play these games. So yeah, they lost the game at home. And everyone's in an uproar. And I looked at it like, eh, well, it's an asterisk next to that. You know? It, it, it's not really a loss. So then they go on the road and the big man sits. And they're still down people. And they start losing. They start losing. And Doc's forced to play the rookies. He plays Maxwell. He plays Maxie. He plays Isaiah Joe. He plays Dakota Matthias. And they look good and promising. Paul Reed looked good. Everyone looked good. Promising. And next thing you know, you get a couple wins, a couple guys come back, and then you have a clunker. The Sixers are 0-4 without Joel Embiid. And that's going to go into our first topic. Our first topic of the show this evening is Joel Embiid. We're going to get, as we uh, sent out on the link, you know, we got a lot to talk about. We'll talk about Ben Simmons also in the next uh, segment. But first segment, we're going to open up with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid made a commitment in the offseason. Joel Embiid was sending out videos of himself working out. And we all made jokes. We all said, you know, he better work out. And on the show, Nat and I were kind of like, you know, we'll, when we see it, we'll believe it. Because we've seen this before. We all have. As Sixer fans. So, and B comes in, and he's a different MB. His shot selection's better. He's in his sweet spot more. He's taking less threes. His three percentage went up. And 10 games in, we start hearing MVP talk. Like, man, Joel Embiid could be the MVP. Well, he's putting up MVP numbers. Almost 25 points a game. Almost 12 rebounds a game. Three blocks, uh, three assists a game. Two blocks a game. And he's averaging at least a steal a game. So he's putting his fingerprints all over the MVP title. When he doesn't play, the Sixers are 0-4. And it's an ugly 0-4, right, Nat? Yeah, I mean, they're getting their asses kicked. It's <laughs> look, look, I mean, to put it bluntly, I mean, that that's the, the reality of the situation. I mean, this team is significantly worse when Joel Embiid doesn't play. So the big man doesn't play, they're 0-4. But when the big man plays, we see the record. We see the dominance. We said on the show, Doc, we, and we quoted what Doc Rivers said. We had clips. You guys could check our archives and go back and listen. Doc Rivers said, he's the big man. When I need a bucket, I go to Embiid. He's our go-to guy. Feed the big man. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's refreshing hearing a coach say that. Knowing what kind of talent they have in the saddle. And B looks like a different MB. I mean, he's got alley oops he's catching. 
And I remember the prop bet that uh, one of our listeners threw out to me over under on Joel Embiid catching 25 alley-oops. And I said under because he's still in that process. Right now, I'm on the train of Joel Embiid for the MVP. But he's got some stiff competition. I mean, let's be real. This is the NBA. And naturally, the first guy uh, off the bat is LeBron James at 36 years old playing like a MVP. He came into Philly uh, this week and showed why he's still the king. And the list I'm going off of is an article that was written by, and I think this was one of his last articles, by Sekou Smith. I just want to shout out Sekou Smith. Prayers for him and his family. Rest in peace to him. Heavy guy in the NBA. Uh, Well-knowledgeable, respected, and I always appreciated his articles and uh, following, uh, you know, some of the things he put out there. So tough thing for the NBA family. So, you know, but my tribute to him, I want to use his one of his last uh, articles written about the uh, MVP and his top. We're going to go through his top. So he has LeBron and you can't argue that LeBron is. 24 points a game, eight rebounds a game, almost nine, almost eight assists a game, and a steal a game. And he's doing it at the age he's doing it. You can't overlook it. The Lakers were undefeated on the road, so they uh, ran up against the Sixers. Uh, They're sitting top in the West. And LeBron's making it look easy after 18 seasons. You know, he, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. So... Yeah, he's in conversation. But if LeBron sits, they got AD. AD can still carry that team to some victories along with Schroeder and the pieces they have around them. So LeBron means a lot to LA as Embiid means a lot to Philly. So then you get into Luka Doncic. Dante is all. I feel like Nat. He's going to be in the conversation for like the next five years at least. Oh yeah, he's, don't you agree? He's the. You know, I should say the, but he's definitely one of the top stars in the NBA right now. And like in terms of like the top rising superstars, I mean, he is the guy right now. He's going to be one of those powerhouses you're going to look to, as you said, for the next five years at least. At least. I mean, Doncic is putting up, and and mind you, he has the ball in his hand a lot. Uh, he's putting up twenty eight and nine. He's almost putting up a triple double. I mean, let's keep it real: twenty eight, nine, and eight. So he's putting up Russell Westbrook type numbers the year Westbrook averaged a triple double and won the MVP. So you can't count Doncic out. And then uh, Seku has Paul George in there. I kind of flip a coin here with Paul George. I mean, we know what Paul George is about, but we're not going to overlook the type of season he's come out having. 24 points a game, six rebounds, five assists, almost two steals a game. PG's balling for uh, the Clippers right now. But I I still think Embiid tops PG. And then you have Embiid, who I ran through, and then you got Steph Curry. Steph Curry's average almost 30 points a game. 
uh, five rebounds a game, six assists a game, and a steal a game. What Curry's doing with the Golden State Warriors is kind of like what LeBron did when he had nobody in Cleveland, except for LeBron had his team at the top of the East and Curry's, you know, middle middle of the pack in the West. So there's a big difference, but glaring similarities. Now, out of these five candidates that Sekou Smith wrote about and put up, who who are you looking at as your your one, two, and three? So to me, when it comes to the NBA and MVP status in any sport, the biggest thing for me is how well will your team do without you? And I categorize the MVP as the impact you make in the game and how well your team would do without you in it. I think the Sixers would be significantly worse off without Joel Embiid the most out of all those athletes you mentioned. So I got to put Joel Embiid as the front runner for that. So he's my number one. My number two, I mean, LeBron is LeBron. So I got to, damn, I got to put him in there. And third is a bit of a toss-up. I really have to think about number three. All right. Well, you think about that. I'm coming right back to you. I I agree with your uh, opinion on that, about who means more to the team. So, you know, I think Embiid's a... I think Embiid's are the front runner right now. Just the fact that the things he's doing on the court and uh, he means a lot to his team. They're zero and four without him. Like like you said, like we stated. The one thing I want to point out though that might hurt Embiid is these games that he keeps taking off because he's having his back issue. So we know he's always had chronic back issues, and I know they're dealing with that. And the foul that LeBron gave him made me say. I put out a message out and I said, well, Embiid's going to be out for the next month. This might be a different Embiid this year with this coaching staff. So maybe he might take a game. And I know they got another back-to-back coming up. Maybe he might take one of those off. And hopefully the Sixers get their first win with him, without him. But he means so much more to the Sixers. And their team is tops of the East, top of the Atlantic Division. So that's why I'll go with Embiid as my number one also. Now, with your coin flip, I'm going to go with Doncic because he's putting up better numbers. And, you know, Dallas is in the hunt. And then I'll put LeBron. The only reason I'm putting LeBron three is because, let's be real, LeBron's already won plenty of MVPs. His legacy is solidified in the NBA. He's the greatest player in our generation right now. So... An MVP award for to me personally for him is just another piece of hardware where he's probably looking for another championship, and that might be motivation to see how hard he plays in the uh, playoffs if he doesn't get it. But it's a close toss up between those two for my one two A and two B behind and B, and then the rest of them could fight it out. I mean, you could easily put LeBron as one B behind. And B, because LeBron has the Lakers tops of the West. They're the best in the West. So I can see how you do that, Nat. But uh, I would put uh, Paul George three and Curry four, just based off of the records and, you know, what's happening with that. So Embiid's doing his part. All right. Embiid's cooking. At one point, the Sixers were seven and one. 
right? And and B was a big deal on why the Sixers were seven and one at that at that run. And it caught everyone off guard. Let's be real. Because everyone in the NBA right now still can't believe the 76ers are number one in the East. Number one in Atlantic Division. They have almost a five and a half game lead on the paper champs. I mean, with the way that Philadelphia sports fans are talking about it, I think most Philadelphia 76er fans can't believe it either. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, I feel like the 76er fans right now are getting toxic like Eagle fans. Really? To be honest with you, Nat. Oh, I'm surprised you're saying that now because I thought the toxicity was last year. Well, last year was well-deserved, though. We Sixers fans had a reason. Had a reason for all that toxic because we had a toxic guy at the helm. And look at the talent right now. Look Look at the difference of the coaching staff using the players they have now and the players that Brett Brown had and putting them in better position. Like, it, it makes no – it's like night and day. Daryl Morey has easily made the 76ers a championship contender by giving the Sixers Danny Green, Seth Curry, and letting Tobias Harris open up and uh, drafted uh, Tyrese Maxey. So, Seth Curry, right now, he's in a slump, Nat. He's not playing good at all these last four or five games. Oh, my God, he's been terrible. Like, yeah, he's had COVID, but still, I mean, (laughs) this is not the Seth Curry that I wanted to see, at least not in the beginning of the season. I'm hoping he bounces back. But damn, dude, like he he has been horrible these past couple of games. Yeah, yeah, he's been really bad. And we and listen on Philly Full Court Press, we call a spade a spade. If you're bad, you're bad. We're gonna let you know. And Curry's not playing the way he did in the, in earlier this season. He's been awful. And it sucks because I so, love Seth Curry. I loved what he did at the beginning of the season, and now it's like we're kind of like getting to that. You know, we're kind of like getting to the the beginning, of the middle of the season here, and it's just, dude, what are you doing? Like, I understand. Like, I I don't know what he went through COVID wise. I I I don't. And I hope, I hope all is well with him. But I also hope that he finds his game back again soon. I don't want this to be an ongoing issue with him. Well, they say the recovery from COVID is you just don't know. You don't know how your recovery time could be. So that's what he's going through right now. And he had the ankle issue. So he's fighting through it. I think personally, you know, we're only 19 games in, 20 games in. Like you said, we're 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 at one of the the benchmarks, the first twenty. I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be all right. Give him another week or two, he'll be all right. Tyrese Maxey, he's also not playing well right now. And someone said to me that he hit a rookie wall. Well, if you hit a rookie wall twenty games in, I think we're in some trouble because he's going to have another rookie wall. I don't think this is a rookie wall right now. I think he's just trying to work his way back into his original role because he was forced into a role that he doc had no choice but to play Tyrese all those minutes and tell him to go out and score. You know, he showcased them. He showed us what we have in him and I appreciate it. And I like it, but we also know Tyrese Maxey is a rookie. He was drafted 21st. If he was this all world rookie, he would have went in the top three with, out the March Madness tournament. 
he would have been like Anthony Edwards at the number one pick. So I love the I love Maxi. I love what he's doing. I just the hype is just it's overhyped. It's well overhyped, and it needs to be tampered down. But if you're overhyping it and you like Maxi, you know, good for you. That's cool. Me, I'm tampering mines down because I know that Maxie's a rookie and he's going to show it. So I don't want – I'm just basically saying don't set yourself up for the failure when he starts dropping off. You know what I'm saying, That. Yeah, plus, I mean, if we're getting this kind of production out of him already when he's a rookie, then I can't wait to see what his second or third year in the league is going to be like. I mean, yes, he has to fill a role now – but, I mean, he's still learning the game at the NBA level. And I liked what I've seen so far. Like, yeah, even though he's trailed off, that doesn't mean, like, I hate what I see. No, I mean, these are just, like, growing pains to any rookies that any rookie is going to go through. Matisse Thibel went through it. I mean, he's still kind of going through it because he's still relatively new to the NBA. But, I mean, look, these are young guys. They're playing a great system right now. You just got to have faith in this in this basketball team. And let them grow. Just yes. let them grow. Don't put, don't put all that pressure on them. You know, with the things you say on social media, because Ben Simmons says he don't see it, but he's a damn liar. He sees it. And the, all the other Sixers players, they see it. And then, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough. But I, I enjoy watching him play. And I think he's going to be a, a stud as long as he's in the Sixers uniform with us. But, um, yeah, so the current up, updated standings at this point, you know, I said the Nets had the Sixers had like a five game lead on the Nets. The Nets are now one and a half games out with the believe it or not, the Pacers. This is how messed up this COVID season is. You know, you got the Pacers sitting third in the East. So they're ball they're hooping right now. Will that taper off? It might. Will the Nets start making a push? They may. Uh the Sixers are game up on the Bucks. I like what the Bucks are doing. I just I'm not sold on them though. So, you know, we'll check that out. And we'll get into more of the uh, NBA standings. But right now, big man for me in my book, he's the MVP the first 20 games. You know, we'll come back in the next 20 games and uh, reevaluate. And I'm pretty sure big man will still be there. So, um, Matt, quick, quickly, uh, do the Knicks make the playoffs? <laughs> come on now. Come on. <laughs> hey, listen. Let's let's coming up, man. Coming up. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the NBA standings. We're gonna talk about Ben Simmons game. Who or what type of Ben Simmons are we looking for? And also we're gonna figure out uh how these pieces around Embiid and Simmons are working to get to the next through these next twenty. Hey yo, this is Philly Full Court Press. Stay with us, family. Grab your drink. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. If you want to make something that truly reflects the city of Philadelphia, it better be great. It better stand the test of time. You better expect the work if you want the results. That's just how the city was built. And that's just how we're made. You see, here, greatness requires a push and a pull. A challenge, a goal, a chase, a pursuit. But when you get there, by day or night, 
you'll turn the curve into as great a city as you'll find anywhere. Where the stars light up the night, reflecting icons. Rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. Reflecting greatness. Iverson has Jordan. Yeah! Reflecting the spirit of competition that has fueled us from the start. Built for the city. Built for the night battle. We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. Social distancing is really physical separation of people. It's what we refer to when we ask people to stay at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus still spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You're at higher risk if you are over 65 or if you have any serious underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, wash your hands frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds. Avoid touching your face. Disinfect frequently touched objects. And wash up after being in public spaces. And when it comes to social situations, less is better. Stay six feet or two arm lengths away from other people. Better still, stay home if you can. If you're sick, please stay home and away from others. And if you think you've been exposed to the virus, call your healthcare provider before going to their office. In challenging times, the choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. What's up everybody, this is Carmelo Anthony. Hope everyone is staying healthy. During this time, you know, we should all be looking out for one another and staying calm staying safe. I'm just trying to stay positive as much as possible. Continue to spend this great time with your loved ones. I think it gives us a lot of perspective. Call some of your friends or your family and let them know how much you, you love them and how much you care about them. Practice compassion. We have to be kind and really practice a sense of community. We're going to get through this thing one way or another and the appreciation level for everything will be at an all-time high. We all miss fans and our teammates and basketball. This is only a virus that we can beat together. Hopefully we'll be seeing you guys Everybody, welcome back to another edition of Philly Full Court Press. T. Will, Matt, Nat Marlowe there. And, uh, yeah, so 
big man. Keep it going. Keep it going. Definitely. But, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, Matt. When I say that word to you, that name, coming out of uh, my mouth, and you hear it out of a fan's mouth, and you read about it, and you hear the name Ben Simmons, what's the first thing that comes to your thought? Offensive facilitator. And break that down. Tell me why. So, I understand that a lot of people hate the fact that he, quote, can't shoot a three or won't shoot a three, whatever. He doesn't bring enough offensively to the table. Like, yeah, he'll get a triple-double, but only score 10 points and said triple-double. Look, to me, a triple-double is a triple-double. I don't necessarily need Ben Simmons to put up 20, 25, 30 points a game in order to contribute to this team and contribute to this system. I just need him to facilitate the offense because I think that is what he's skilled at. You know, I'm fine with him only getting a few points a game if he's averaging like 12 assists a game. I am totally fine with that. I mean, Tim Legler, he was on a show I worked on this morning, the Anthony Gargano show, and he said that, you know, you, you're not going to rely on Ben Simmons scoring you late points in that fourth quarter. That's not necessarily a smart thing to do. There are ways to use them. There are ways to optimize them and facilitate plays. But in terms of directly scoring points, like don't rely on him for that. I don't necessarily want to rely on Ben Simmons for that anyway. I don't think we're going to use this system the right way if Ben Simmons is the guy. I don't want him to be the guy. I want Ben Simmons to be the to be the guy to contribute on the play to get it to the guy, whoever that's going to be, whether it's Joel Embiid posting up for a final basket, Tobias Harris, as we saw against the Lakers, putting up that final basket, whether you need Seth Curry or Danny Green to get you a three. You know, Ben Simmons can be involved in the play. We're, we're just not going to have Ben Simmons be the guy. I am cool with that. Okay, let me counter that with Legs said. And, uh, you know, shout out to Legs. I haven't, actually I haven't reached out to Legs in a very long time. But, um... Blake says what he said, and I hear your your uh, you know your reasoning. Now I want to counter that and say, but he was drafted number one, and he was supposed to give us more. Why is it? Why as fans can we not expect more from Ben Simmons? All right, let me counter this with another question. Uh, let's say. Dakota Mathias were to average you a triple-double each and every night, but putting up triple-double Ben Simmons numbers, would we have a problem with that, with where he was drafted? If Dakota Mathias was drafted one, or was he drafted in where he was drafted at now? If he was drafted where he's drafted at now. I think you look at it as, as extra flavor in the cake. So my question is, why are we kind of see- like, kind of like, kind of like how they, uh, how fans look at Maxi as extra flavor in the cake? You got this kid drafted at wherever, and by the way, Dakota Mathias isn't even on the team anymore. Sixers uh, gave him his walking papers. I don't know what for what reason, but I'm sure Daryl Morey has uh, a plan or idea for that spot. I know it was a two way spot, but. Um, you know, he served as well, and I hope that maybe he comes back. But um, anyway, if he was drafted where he drafted, he's put up triple-double numbers. I would say, well, that's extra flavor in the cake because now you got this kid coming off the bench 
giving you a triple-double. It's the stigma that carries with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. You see what I'm saying? I that, see what you're saying, aura, but, it, but if, if draft picks were everything, and if you know offensive production were everything, then you sh- then you know w- the entire conversation we would have right now is that oh the Sixers should have drafted Jalen Brown, they should have drafted Brandon Ingram, Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray, whoever. Uh, to me, the draft selection and where you go, you know, they're not everything. They don't always match. Right, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it's different sports, but, I mean, Alexander Degg, he was the number one pick in the NHL one year, and he said, I'm glad I went number one because nobody remembers <laughs> who went number two overall. You know who went number two Matt. overall that year? Chris Pronger. Matt, how did I know you were going to use a hockey analogy? Yeah. <laughs> Look, that's, that's my game. This is why you have the hockey guy on. That's right. But, I I mean, I get it. I understand the people that say Ben Simmons was drafted number one. I expect more from Ben Simmons being the number one draft pick. Ben Simmons has shown us flashes of being that guy. But he won't shoot. And then you see the, clip, the clips are starting to surface again of Ben Simmons. In summer league, where he pulled up those jump shots and was knocking them down. I mean, I know he can shoot. I've seen it. You've seen the clips from the uh, from our local uh, writers. They're posting clips all the time, pre-game, post-game. Ben Simmons shooting. It's a mental block. It's a mental block. See, but I don't want Ben Simmons to produce more offensively. Because he was the number one overall pick in the 2016 draft class. I want Ben Simmons to do better offensively because it'll tailor better to Doc Rivers' system. That's why I want Ben Simmons to do better. Like, draft position, to me, is just, you know, I don't want to say an anomaly. But, you know, I could really care less, you know, where Ben Simmons was drafted. Because he has the talent to put up more points offensively. You know, It doesn't matter to me where he was selected in the draft. I want Ben Simmons to you know, unleash all of his talents he, that he has to contribute to Doc Rivers' And that's Rivers the frustrating system. part. That's where Sixer fans are getting frustrated because you and I both know he's not unleashing all his talent. Like, you can see it. You can see it. And we saw Ben Simmons' dominance from the Detroit game fourth quarter on through, like, almost five, six and a half quarters through the next uh, two games after that. And we saw his dominant performance against the Lakers. Now, you know you know he was going to go for a triple-double against his mentor. And it seems like Ben always plays well against LeBron. He always goes at LeBron. If we could get that type of Ben Simmons every night, put LeBron on every team, against Ben Simmons every night, just so we could get that style of play from Ben Simmons. Yes, you can still run Doc's offense and and be the facilitator and do what point guards do and still be aggressive the way he was against the Lakers and LeBron. That's what most fans are asking for. And I get it. But I also see what you're saying, Matt. You know, 
right now we just need Ben to continue to run Doc's offense and get the guys in place and get them off. It's like almost saying Ben's taking a back seat to the team on purpose just so everyone can get off and get comfortable in the offense and get comfortable in the game before he looks for his game. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And again, like if Ben Simmons is going to be one of the guys, then yeah, he should step up. But I don't necessarily need Ben Simmons to be the guy. You know, I think if he becomes one of the guys, then that could be better to him and better for the system. And I think it's been working overall when he's just one of the guys as opposed to the guy. You know, look, I understand it's frustrating that he can't slash, won't shoot a jump shot. So every every point guard should be able to shoot a three-pointer. You don't shoot a point guard if you can shoot a three-pointer. Like, I, I don't need some hoagie <laughs> mouth telling me that every every five seconds. Like, I get it. I get it. But what if he's still able to contribute to your team offensively by being a facilitator? That, to me, is just as important as a guy who's going to get you those threes, as a guy who's going to put not only facil- those jump shots. Not only facilitating, but the chemistry, man. The chemistry yeah. that he has with with the team right now is crazy. The Sixers starting five is ten and zero right now, soon to be eleven and zero. They're starting five together. That's with Curry, Green, Toby, Embiid, and Simmons. Why would you want to mess up that chemistry just because you saw flashes of a rookie? You don't. Or go ahead. You don't want to mess that up. No. Or. Ben had a couple bad games. It's the NBA. Everyone has a bad game. Even the MVP candidates that I that I name that are in the race have bad games. Ben's shooting right now attempts is down. Everything's down. But his free throw attempts are up. His percentage is up. So that tells me he's he's attacking more. And Ben Simmons is, as he said, I want to be continue to be the monster on defense for our team. What he does on defense for the Sixers is championship uh, caliber. Look around the league. You're not getting that kind of defense the way the Sixers are deeing up teams. When Ben and Matisse are on the, on the attack on defense, the game flips. It flips. Matisse must be getting healthy from his ankle injury, and he must be getting comfortable in Doc's system because he's back to being Matisse the thief. His defense is raw, and uh, Ben's defense is raw. You don't sit there and start plucking guards at the top of the key and then don't tell me that you know he's not worth nothing to the team. Yeah, out your mind. It's a it's a turning point of every game when he when he's playing defense the way he's playing. Hey, granted, yeah, he's only a year three. We get it. But Ben's almost averaging a triple double. Like Nat said, I don't care. I don't care what the numbers are. If you're averaging a triple double, you're doing something major in the NBA. Half the people who are screaming about him not averaging thirty couldn't even get a bucket in the NBA right now. Ben's averaging 13, 8, and 8. That's close to a triple-double, ladies and gentlemen. Then what's the biggest difference between this year and last year? They're winning these games. 
Hey, guys. They're winning. In case you haven't noticed, winning is good. They're winning. They're having fun. Pre-game, dancing at the foul line. Smiling. Enjoying each other. We didn't have this last season. We haven't had this since the uh, 2017 run. See, this is, the, this is the 76ers team that I wanted to see. Last year, I was more skeptical and more negative than the majority of the fan base because I knew it wasn't going to pan out the way everyone was dreaming. This year, I was more optimistic than a lot of fans were because a lot of fans, you know, the recency bias was like, oh, like, sucked last year. Like, yeah, we have Doc Rivers, but they didn't really do a whole lot to improve this team. Yeah, you got rid of Al Horford, but what'd you get in return? Like, I was more optimistic. I'm like, guys, like, be patient. I'm not saying they're going to win an NBA title, but I think you are going to see improvement. Well, so far, we're seeing a huge improvement. They've exceeded my expectations, and I thought my expectations were pretty darn high. Oh, right now, I'm still, I'm actually still waiting. They, they've, they, they've hit my expectations the first 20. As I said, I'll, I'll start judging them by mid-January. So, you know, we're coming into the close of January. And I got to take out the part, the, the two weeks that they were dealing with COVID. I can't really judge them on that. But based off what I'm seeing, and the starting five being 10-0 and potentially 11-0, they're looking good, man. They're fun. I've been saying this all season. They're a fun team to watch. You can't really count them out unless Embiid's not playing. <laughs> Listen, if Embiid's out, look, just bet the money line for the other team. Just do it, or like, or better yet, the spread. That might that might do you that might do you even better. It, 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 it seems like if Embiid's out, just you know, wrap it up. Like but, I, um, I have a question for you. Like, what should the true expectation for fans be when Embiid is out? Because I had a friend of mine from work, not a not at the station, but at my side job. He said. Uh, like every time they lose without Embiid, he's always says, "I don't care if Embiid's not in the game. You can't lose by like thirty some points. You can't lose like that." And I'm like, "Dude, like Joel Embiid, sig- <laughs> the team is significantly worse without Joel Embiid. That's a fact." And so far, it's a fact. Um, fans' expectation with Embiid not playing is hope. Just hope that they can win. I mean, I don't go into games that MB's not playing and say, oh, we're going to lose this one. I mean, I'm hoping. I'm a fan. You know? I'm a fan. And fans, you, you always got hope each game. And then as the game plays out and it looks like they're not going to win, I wrap it up. All right, well, then they stink. But it bothers me on the on the other aspect of this is the fact that they're still talented without Embiid, but yet they look like they're the worst team in the NBA without Embiid. I mean, you still have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, uh, Seth Curry, Dwight Howard, a.k.a. I've, I've labeled him as Reggie Evans, Nat, for those who don't know. Dwight Howard is the, the Reggie Evans of, of uh, this era for the Sixers. And... You know, he gets four fouls in four minutes, and he's out there kicking people and can't keep his hands on himself. But even still, all jokes aside, Dwight Howard and that and that crew right there should be able to win you an NBA game, especially against the Detroit Pistons. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of I agree with your co-worker. 
They can't lose games like that. I mean, you can't go out and get embarrassed like that. You're an NBA team. But when you lose to the Cavaliers, the Detroit Pistons, you know, teams that aren't that good, and it looks that bad without Embiid, and then Embiid plays the next night, you beat the team by 12 points, and you have, like, 30-point lead going into fourth quarter, and your bench players come in. I mean, what's the deal, Nat? Does that fall on coaching? Like, does the coaches don't care if MB is in? Because I don't think so. I think they coach just as hard as, when he's there and when he's not there. I'm with you. So, I mean, Doc Rivers was telling Tyrese Maxey when he put up almost 40 points. You know, I call that the Maxey game. He's like, dude, go for 40. Like, just, just keep shooting. I mean, he was coaching his ass off that game. Like, yeah, there was no way they were going to win. But still, I mean, look, I can't fault Doc Rivers for when Joel Embiid doesn't play. I mean, he's coaching his ass off. Dude's so good. it has to be the men- yeah. So it has to be the mentality of the players. They got to go into mentality. They got to go into each game whenever Embiid doesn't play and say, "Look, we all got to step our game up." Tobias Harris, I think, uh, all the a lot of Sixers fans owe it to Tobias Harris an apology for the first twenty games. I called out Tobias. Remember that? I said I needed these these numbers from him, and he and he's showcasing them. First two or three games, he started off slow. And I was like, look, Toby, I need at least 19, 20, 21 a game, especially with the contract he has. Right now, he's living up to the contract. I mean, Ben Simmons won't admit it, but Tobias Harris, maybe we can get him to admit that he listened to our podcast. Oh, yeah, facts. We get him to admit that. Definitely. Tag him. We'll get him to admit it. Yeah, but uh, Tobias Harris is balling right now, man. He's balling, and you got to give us props. If you don't give Tobias Harris his props right now through these first 20 games, you're just an absolute hater. You're just a, a Negadelphian that's always going to be negative and never look for something positive to come out of your team, period. He's hooping. As in being put out, all-star. If they have an all-star this year, he's an all. he's playing like an all-star. He should be there. He's for he's 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 coming into that Robin of Embiid's Batman, but isn't that where you was looking Ben Simmons to do? Where are you looking for Ben Simmons to be the Robin? That's where the frustration comes in. At Ben can average the numbers. Oh, well, let me let me rephrase. In my opinion, I think Ben could average the numbers Toby's putting up. I just don't know. He's listen. I'm gonna call a spade a spade. Ben Simmons is a prima donna. All right, prima donna. I love Ben. Y'all know I'm a big Ben fan, but he's prima donna, and I'm cool with it. Keep playing defense. Keep balling out. You know, keep putting the Sixers in the in the position they need to be to win games. To continue to win games. Keep playing D, and as long as the Sixers is winning, I have no issue. As long as the Sixers is winning, Nat has no issue. As long as the Sixers are winning, Philly full-court press has no issue. And that's how it should be. No issue while we're winning. Just watch them clunkers, that's all. Hey, look, y'all, coming up, we're going to break down the rest of the East on uh, the first 20, see where the Sixers are at, see what's going on, check out their schedule. We're going to dive into a little more players, who's playing well, who's not. And then we have uh, 
a segment that I missed, Nat. Q&A. I know it should be popping. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. Hey, yo, this is your host, Philly Full Court Press, T. Will. That's my man, Nat Marlowe. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. Hey, Vito's. Hey, yo. You want cheese steak? Hold on. Cheese steak. Cheese steak. Coming on. Coming on. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got burgers. You want a burger? What does he want? A burger? What does he want? A burger? Get the cheese steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both forget about it. Drop the phone. What do you want? Cheese steak or you want a burger? Hey, what's he want? Burger. Hey, Pop, he wants a cheese steak and a burger on one bus. What does he want? We do that? We don't do that. We don't do that. We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. Social distancing is really physical separation of people it's what we refer to when we ask people to say at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65 or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, Stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of Philly Full Court Press. T. Will, Nat Marlowe. Hey, Nat, real quick. Earlier in, uh, in the uh, in this episode, you mentioned legs. What else do legs say about the uh, Sixers and what they look like right now? Don't take it from me. Take it from legs. He said, <laughs> this is their shot to win the NBA title. This is their best shot to finally bring the title back home to Philadelphia. It's wild. You know why? Because the uh, Daryl Morey said the same thing this week. You know, he says all or nothing. This championship or bust. You and I, beginning of the season, were like, whoa, wait a minute. Let's see what we got. And it looks good, but on the state, state of course. And again, I said I was optimistic. I was optimistic, but I'm like, look, cautiously optimistic. I was like, we're talking championship. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's bump the brakes a little bit here. So, Brooklyn makes the, the splash for Harding. And Daryl Morey, Tim Legler, says championship or bust for the Sixers. It's still then. Mike Wilbon 
got on national TV and said the Sixers was going to the finals. Now, I don't know if he said it because, you know, he was covering the national game, the, pre, the pregame. But it's just interesting. It's starting to trickle out here and there about the Sixers and Doc Rivers and our championship for Boss coming out of the East, all because of the coach and coaching staff. Me, personally, I feel like the Sixers aren't getting enough love, to be honest with you. And I feel like they're still being swept to the swept under the rug. And I appreciate I actually appreciate that more. Don't pay so much close attention to Philly and what Philly's doing. Because next thing you know, Philly could be right on top by the end of this uh seventy two game season and no one paid attention to him. That's where I'm at. I'm I'm not ready to say championship or bust. I'm not saying this is their best shot. But damn, is that window unlocked, Nat? And look, let me tell you, let me tell you something, T. Will. Now you know I got into the industry because of the Philadelphia Flyers, and one of my uh, like at the radio station, like one of my jobs is to cut highlights for the Sixers, the Flyers. Cutting the highlights for the 76ers this year has been so much fun. That's become hands down my favorite thing to do with the Fanatic. Yeah, I can see. I can see it. The Sixers are a fun team. Been been preaching that since the, all the moves. This is going to be a fun team. This is going to be a fun team. Be patient. Let them grow. Let them grow. Let them gel. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. I'm not ready to say championship team yet. But the window is definitely unlocked. I still feel like Daryl Morey is going to make another move. And if he doesn't make a move, I'm cool. But I feel like he's got another move he's making. Something's going to happen. You know what? You know my saying on that. You know my saying on it. Follow the tea leaves. Another move's about to happen. Just because I was laid up a couple weeks don't mean I wasn't still digging my nose and things. Nat, something else going to happen? Uh, man, that's a good question. Uh, it all depends on how much Daryl Morey believes that they need another piece in order to get them over the hump. So, if he's in win-now mode, he might trade a couple of draft picks in order to get that next piece. Or if he wants some more longevity, you know, there still could be a possibility that Daryl Morey trades Matisse Thibel, puts him in a package, or dare I say Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons is marketable. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, trade Ben Simmons because he's terrible. Okay, okay. why would a team pick up a terrible player? That doesn't make sense. Like, no, like you want if you want to trade Ben Simmons, you want to make him a marketable guy, and Ben Simmons is a marketable guy. So if you're going to put him on the trade block, like, look, you got to utilize his strengths here. Like, don't... First of all, first of all, I'm not trading Ben Simmons unless I get another uh, dominant point guard back. Yes. I'm not running... I'm not running... I'm not running this team with Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, what are you... And, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, get rid of Ben Simmons for what? A seventh-round draft pick? That's dumb. Now, you're not going to, like, trade Ben Simmons to, like, for something un- completely unrealistic, like get LeBron James back. That's obviously not going to happen. Like, some people are taking crazy pills. And you know what? Like, we, we stop people. On this show, we stop people from drinking the Kool-Aid. That is what we do. So if you're going to, like, propose a Ben Simmons trade, be realistic, people. Facts. 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 
be realistic. And if you want, if you want to trade Ben Simmons, you better have a, a dominant point guard coming back. Because you're not going to have Doc Rivers not having his rookie a rookie run this team right now. Just I'm just telling you. Another thing about Ben Simmons, real quick, is his turnovers are down, way down. So, you know, food for thought. Nah. Right now, I'm, I'm gonna run through the roster real quick. I'm looking at the roster. The Sixers def- desperately need to upgrade the four spot. I think Curry will bounce back. I don't think they need to upgrade the two spot. Plenty of shooters. They need a four. They need a guy playing the four spot. A couple guys out there. One guy in particular out in uh, Sacramento. And it's not Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill doesn't play the four. But Sacramento has a guy. Keep your eye on him. Maybe. And there's a guy in Indiana. So, you know, we'll see. Stuff starts leaking out. We'll uh, we'll look into it. We don't really talk a lot of trades and, you know, hearsay rumors on here. But looking at the roster, they need to upgrade the four spot. Nat, so far, 20 games in, 19, 20 games in. Tony Bradley, would he like, dislike? Tony Bradley's all right. You know, I like that he's showing up. You know, he's trying to contribute to this team. But I, uh, overall, I don't think he has the talent to consistently play at the NBA level. But, look, I love the effort. He gets an A for effort in my book. And I think uh, I think he'll get there. I think he'll, I think he'll get there. The, the talent level, he, like, he's young, raw, A for effort, I agree. Um, but I definitely, I, I, like, I like what I see out of Tony Bradley. I just think he, you know, he needs more minutes. He needs to play, earn. I, I would go with him over Nerlens Noel, Nat. <laughs> oh, wow. We got a hot take alert, people. <laughs> oh, I just want to throw that out there. Well, I don't know. If, y'all face. Dude, I don't know if you're... <laughs> I can't. I can't tell if you're joking or if I should take you seriously right now. <laughs> That's the good thing about it right now. Hey, Nat, I want to throw out another name at you. I'm looking through the roster. Guys that have been playing, haven't played much. Isaiah Joe. Okay. Good, bad, what? Uh, good flashes. Good in flashes of. He has not been well as of late, but I mean, it's one of, the, one of those things, you know, the talent is there. The skill is there. You know, he, he just has to develop himself to the point where he can do it every single night. You know, I don't need him. I don't need him to put up triple doubles every single night. I don't want to like, I don't need him to put up, you know, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons numbers. Obviously, he's not going to get that far this quick if he's going to get there at all, really, but I mean, look, like, give him time. Overall, he's playing well. I hope he is able to sustain it consistently. And, yeah, I like Isaiah Joe a lot. I mean, he's, overall, he has impressed me. He, he's, he's, he's a rookie, second-round rookie. He's going to have his rookie pains, but I like what he's, what, like, what I, I like our rookies. I'll be honest with you. I like Maxie. I like Joe. I'd like Matthias, but they, they cut him loose. And I like Paul Reed. So, you know, give them time to grow. I'm patient with them. But, uh, yeah, I I see Isaiah Joe potentially getting a little more minutes as the season goes along. One guy that we haven't seen much of, Nat, that was part of the trade was uh, Terrence Ferguson 
he came over with uh, Danny Green. And I'm curious, you know, he's young. This tells you how deep the Sixers are, too. Where you got guys like Ferguson, Isaiah Joe, Tony Bradley, young guys, but they can barely get on the court. That tells you the strength of your starting five. Look at the record. That tells you the strength of your sixth man, Shake Millen, who has officially become Gunner Shake. Shake has not saw a shot he does not like. Shake will not pass the ball once he gets the ball. It's like the black hole, like Mike Scott. Shake is starting to annoy me a little bit now. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, wow. I didn't think I would hear you say that. Whoa. Where yeah, that point I'm now? Sh- yeah, I'm a Shake fan, man. But sometimes, man, you got to pass the rock. I mean, you forcing, you know, you forcing crap up and looking for fouls. And then people want to say the rest is horrible. But that was a horrible shot you took. You know? Shake. I'm I'm a Shake fan. Matt knows that. That's why he's, he said, wow. But Shake has solidified himself as a six-man. Matt, Shake is plus 1,200 to win six-man of the year. I know a few people have touched that. I'm not touching it because I don't think he's the six-man of the year. But does he deserve to be in that conversation, Matt? Absolutely, yes. Plus, those odds are good. I'm not – don't bet the house on it. Do not bet the house on Shake Milton being sixth man of the year, okay? As a guy who is not a gambling expert, take it from me, don't do it. But, you know, 10 bucks plus 1,200 odds. I mean, look, I, I'd do it. Yeah. I mean, Shake has earned his way into being in that conversation. I like Shake. I'm a, I'm a Shake fan. I think this role that Doc Rivers put Shake in is the perfect role for Shake. I don't think Shake was good enough to be a starter, but Shake being the sixth man, I mean, this is this is a perfect role for him. And he's embraced it and he's flourishing in it, which is a good thing. He looks really good in the sixth man role. And I like it. So uh the team needs I, I don't think they need to make a move, but I can see a move being made. I don't think Daryl Morey makes a move just to make a move. So, you know, check that out. We'll keep an eye on that, definitely. Um, Sixers are coming to schedule. It's fairly it's fairly winnable. It, it, and when I say winnable, I mean, there's not really – it's not really – they really hit their – they got through their tough stretch. The Boston, Boston, L.A., Miami. And Miami's not looking good at all this year, but – now you got this week you got uh the T Wolves, the Pacers, who are playing well, but I think the Sixers should take care of business. You know, the next three on the road, and they go, Oh, Nat, birthday game away against the Charlotte Hornets. There you go. So T Wolves birthday game this year is the Charlotte Hornets, and I usually would go to their home game closest to my birthday, and this year it looks like it's Portland. So I would be at the Portland Trailblazers game with a few friends. What checking uh, what it out? D- what date is the Charlotte game? Charlotte game is Wednesday, February third. Okay. So that's the last game of the three game home uh, away stands. 
And then they start the two-game homestands, which goes into uh, Thursday against Portland. And then the big one, Saturday night, prime time, ABC. We have Joel Embiid, MVP candidate, Tobias Harris, potential all-star going against the three-headed monster in KD, Kyrie, and the beard. Oh, jeez. Jeez, so Mary. Get your popcorn, get your popcorn ready Saturday night, February 6th. I'm gonna open my bag Which up now. It? That's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Crack hey, it open listen. now. Listen, that's a great pregame going into the Super Bowl game. Nat. That's a good that's a good Saturday night. We got, Sixers I, prime time against Brooklyn. And then the next day you got the Super Bowl. Don't don't forget That's Flyers Bruins right too. There. I think we got Flyers Bruins that day too. Uh, afternoon. Afternoon Sunday. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, yeah. You mentioned your birthday coming up on February third. I got a little bit of an in betweener. My birthday's the eighteenth. The seventeenth Sixers playing the Rockets. Daryl Morey, you know, facing against his old franchise. And then the following day, the nineteenth, they're playing the, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you got a little sandwich game right there. That's not bad. That's not bad. But I, I got back to – oh, that's, and that's a back-to-back. That's a way home. Garrett, and B sitting at – uh, he's sitting at Portland game. He's sitting at either Portland game or the Charlotte game. Because the Charlotte game is, the, is Wednesday, Portland's on Thursday coming home. So if he sits – if he sits Wednesday – the last game of excuse me, the last game of the the road, the three game road trip, he's going to sit the home game against Portland and be ready for February sixth. I can see that happening. What do you think, Matt? Well, we're going to address it in the the Q and A. So you ready? Uh, you ready for our next segment? Uh, not yet, not yet, not yet, almost. You know, I, I, I've missed it, and I know you're foaming at the mouth to throw some stuff at me. So, but, uh, I mean, I asked you a question earlier in the show, too, and we both got a laugh out of it. I asked you, did, do you think the Knicks will make the playoffs? Oh, come on now. Like, we are. <laughs> I understand we had a real world talk episode, but come on, let, let's keep it real here. <laughs> I'm just saying, because looking at the standings right now, the Knicks are in the AC. Uh, all right, all right. We're only 20 they, games in. <laughs> look, look, all right, fine. Look, they can make the playoffs. They're not going to make a run. All right, let's be real. Well, the teams that are on the outside looking in, and then you got that play in, the playing playoff games now this year. Orlando, Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte, and Miami. But T-Wolf. Think about the only way that the New York Knicks can make a run is if I get my GameCube, bring it all the way, go, go back, go back to my parents' house, get my old GameCube and my copy of NBA Live 2003, bring it all the way back here, skip Carmelo. through, yes, skip through 18 seasons where the basketball in that game just skipped to the 2020-2021 season, and. Make them a dynasty. That's the only way that the New York Knicks are going to make any type of runs. If I get my old copy of NBA Live 
All right. Out of these bottom feeder teams, and the Sixers were a bottom feeder team last season, Cavs, Hawks, and Knicks, out of those three, which one are you sold that will make the playoffs? Uh, Because that's your sixth, seventh, and eighth seed right now. Hawks, because of how much they've improved. I agree. I think the Hawks are – I think the Hawks will – I think the Hawks actually win their division and make the playoffs. Wow. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Plus 240 on that to, okay. win their, to win their division. Okay. And they're they're sitting tops of their division right now. So, I did a little homework. I think the Hawks make playoffs, win their division, and Toronto, man, I this is this is bad right here. They're they're sitting 11th. That's scary. If they make a push and they come to eighth seed and the Sixers hold on to be the one seed and then you open up the playoffs, the NBA Eastern Conference playoffs with Philly-Toronto, one versus eight. Chew on that one, that. As we go get ready for Q&A, always sipping on something, but my sipping has to come to a little end just for a little while. I got to take care of myself first and, you know, get healed up and rest up. Foaming at the mouth to get back in the gym. Nat, you're going to have to hit that applause button because since September and uh, me going back and, you know, me going through what I'm going through, Big T-Will is now back into the Macy's clothing store. Shopping in Macy's now, Nat. No more DXL. No more Big and Tall, Nat. There we go. There we go, T-Will. Macy's, boy. Yes, sir. That is We it. We are in Macy. Where's, where's my man? What's his name? Tim Tim Kane? Tim Tim Cook? What's his name? The fashion guru? Oh, you talking I about want from, him. from Project Runway? Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah. I, I don't know his name, but it's like, make it work. Make it work, God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tim, wait, Tim yes. Duncan? Is that his name? No, I don't Tim Duncan. <laughs> Nah, it's uh, Tim something, man. This is going to bother me. Let, let me look it up now. This is going to bother go ahead me the look rest it of the up. night. Go ahead and look it up. Look it up real quick. But yeah, man. So It's, it's either Tim Duncan doing, or Tim Dunn, one of those two. Tim Dunn. I think it's Tim Dunn. But um, yeah, so all the hard work has been paying off. Uh, I see I'm close to one potential goal that I've always had. For like the last four or five years, I'm I'm literally in reach of it, and then I had to set back. So once I get past the setback, I will be going foaming at the mouth to hit my uh, goal before the end of March. So, and I'm giving myself the end of March due to the fact that I don't know my timetable on my healing. I mean, I'm healing up now, but I don't know how, you know significant it's going to heal for me to get back and you know doing my thing so yeah I, even though i had a little health scare the good thing coming out of that was what i saw the work that i was putting in so everybody you know you go through challenges just keep at it keep working hard i know you get discouraged and uh we all in it together family and oh definitely eat right Eat your leafy greens, eat your veggies as much as you don't want them. Cut out a lot of, cut out your carbs, 
only have it so much, don't have it every day. And, uh, you know, we always preach healthy life on here, Nat. So, you know, let's continue to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, as you say, do it. At least, at least in my case, do 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 as we say, not as I do. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, pop tart, man. Look, no, um, no, 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 no. I got rid of those. I haven't had a pop tart in months, so no. You, I, uh, hey, applause button on that one. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, dude. Like, oh man. Look, all right. Look, if there's one thing, all right. Here's one thing I should cut out because you know my my other job, right? The the merchandising mm-hmm. job I yeah. had for Acme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the first job or the first section I ever worked for that job was the cookie section. So for my breaks, I've just been snacking on them Belvita sandwich cookies for the past, mm-hmm. let's see, when did I start? I started in July. So for the past seven, six, seven months now, just snacking in between those on, you know, whatever break I could get. So, Lord, maybe I got to, you know, improve my eating standards there maybe i should like cut out the bovito cookies yeah yeah and, and listen um you know you and i talk and you know what you know going what i'm going through and stuff and it's going to benefit you longer it's going to benefit you longer so but uh yeah man so you know you guys want to reach out to uh Philly Full Court Press, you know where to find us at Big T Will 34, at Nat underscore Marlowe, and at uh, Full Full Court 76. So, you know, hit us up, let us know. And uh, if you guys want to drop us an email, you can always do that too at Full Court Press 76 at uh, gmail.com. You know, send us, a, send us an email or message or something you see. And, uh, you know, we'll put it on the show. Now, Nat, uh, uh, I'm happy to say I'm, we're finally here to one of my favorite segments of the show, Q&A, where everyone sends in their questions, and sometimes I have the answers, and if I don't, I try to go get the answer for you. I've missed it. I'm strapped up, Nat. I got my uh, my drink right here, and uh, I'm waiting for you. So what you got for me, Nat? All right, this one's an interesting one. This is a question that... Probably the most intriguing question we've gotten in a while. It comes from Jay. On back-to-back games, instead of Embiid sitting out a game, how about he only plays the second half of both games? Well, I would... Just to entertain that, I would actually have him play first half of the game. Or have him play the first half of the first game and the second half of the second game. But someone like Embiid, you can't just start him in the second half. He's going to have to be in the floor of the game. So that would never work. But, I mean, it's a good thought, but I don't think it would ever work. Or play them every other quarter. You know what I'm saying, Nat? I do. And uh, we talked about the crown jewel, Joel Embiid. Now we got to go on to Mr. Ben. Uh, Phil asks, is there a key to unlocking Ben Simmons' full potential, or is he just who he is? The key to unlock Ben Simmons' full potential is right here in Philadelphia. Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, Sam Cassell, Dan Burke, and Jaeger. That coaching staff will unlock Ben Simmons. It's almost like they kind of tore Ben Simmons down and they're rebuilding him. To be honest, like, that's what it looks like. But we'll see. I-, I think the coaching staff can unlock Ben Simmons. 
if this coaching staff can't get the, the max potential out of Ben Simmons the next couple of years, then you're right. There is no unlocking them. But I can't judge Ben Simmons off of Brett Brown era. I can't judge Embiid off of Brett Brown era. I can't do it because clearly they're they're a different team and they're different. They they look like different players under this coaching staff. So, what else you got, Matt? Question three comes from Kegels. How long before Doc anticipates knowing who's in the rotation? Long term outlook for shooters Corkmaz and Joe, who are poor defenders right now. Also, will he go back to an all-second unit on the floor rotation? Um, I think Doc already has his rotation. I think he already knows his players he's going to put in. Uh, I don't think Corkmaz is playing as bad as you, you're per se. Corkmaz um, gets a lot of hate in the city. And if you're going to give Corkmaz the hate and not see that he's playing pretty decent, then you need to give the same hate to the rookies who are playing bad and Shake Milton who's playing bad right now. So, you know, your extra hate for Korkmaz isn't it's 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 not warranted because you're not giving the same hate to other players and they're playing just they're playing just as bad, if not worse, than what Korkmaz is playing. Right now in, in these little stretch. But I get what you're saying. Um, it, I think Doc does know his rotation. I think I know he knows what players are going to sub in and out. And the only reason he went to that full five second unit was because the Sixers were always up by 30. So he subbed in all the young players and gave the, the starters the rest the last eight minutes, ten minutes of the fourth quarter. So, but I don't think he'll ever sub in five for five. I only did that. Only way that happens is if the Sixers are up on a significant amount in the fourth quarter. So, go ahead, Nat. What else you got? From Eric, who do you think will eventually win the quiet tournament between Matisse Thibel, Isaiah Joe, and Furkan Korkmaz for the ninth playoff spot? Uh, assuming, I think he used the wrong word there, but assuming starters plus Maxie Milton Howard are the other eight. But I'm not going to assume anything, and Doc's going to run more than nine than nine players on the uh, in the uh, playoffs. I can tell you that. Um, Matisse is in as of now. The first twenty of these twenty games, Matisse is in and Corkmans is in. He's going to go with his veterans over the rookies. As much as I like uh, a cup of a cup of Joe for three, um, I'm going to go with uh, Corkmans and Matisse. And I'm not. And first of all, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a big Matisse fan, and I love Matisse's defense. We spoke about it earlier in the show. So why would I? Why would I go into playoffs where they cut the game into a half court game instead of a full court press game, and and they cut it into a half court game and give up a defensive specialist like Matisse? That's silly to keep him off the uh, roster for the playoffs. That's not even thinking straight. Matisse is there. He's, he's my he's my D. You know, if, if Ben's my if Ben's my monster, then Matisse is the beast. Cause right there, them two on defense are relentless, and I love it. I'm here for it. So, what else you got, Nat? Our final question comes from the one and only Ruin today. Why can't someone step up when Embiid is out, and why do they suck ass in a bad way? 
We're still trying to figure that out, man. We're still trying to figure that out. We spoke about that earlier in the show. Um, it, they do. They do suck with Embiid's not playing. Those four games that they lost have looked really bad. And it's almost a tough watch. The people you look to step up, obviously, is Ben, Tobias, Seth, Dwight. Dwight looks good in the role he is, but, you know, if he wants to start, you know, he's got to play like a starter. He can't come in there, come through fighting everybody. And uh, that's where it comes from. And then the rookies are going to have to step up because the rotation is going to be different. If Dwight Howard started and Embiid's out, so you know it, it's a whole lot. It, it's gonna take a, it's gonna take a, the whole team to step up to get that win when Embiid's not playing. And we talked about when Embiid might sit. They got a back to back coming up next week. So and then they have a big game that Saturday, prime time. We'll see. I mean, I. It's a good question. They they do suck when they, he don't play, and it, and that goes to what my man Nat said early in the show. That's why he thinks Embiid's the favorite for the MVP because he means most to his team. So there you have it. We'll wrap that up, Nat. Hey, listen, everybody. Feels good to be back once again. Thank you for all the well wishes. Uh, hey, Nat. Felt good to talk to you again. I think we touched everything, huh, Nat? We did. Ev- we, you know, we touched everything, but there's also so much more we can talk about, and I'm sure oh, yeah. there's a lot more that you all want you want us to talk about. So, if you all want us to talk about something in particular, you know, hit us up at Full Court seventy six on Twitter, or uh, at Big T Wall thirty four, or at Nat underscore Marlow. Yeah, we'll touch on whatever you want us to touch on, and I've look, we can go on and on and on about certain games that have been played. I mean, Sixers versus Lakers, Sixers versus LeBron, the flagrant foul against. Oh yeah, we didn't even touch that. Yeah, I mean, again, there's just so much going on with this team right now. I mean, we can. There's so much content we can produce for you. So if you just want to touch on something in particular, you know, hit us up. Just like shoot us an at. Yep. Do whatever. Like we'll talk. You know, we do this for you. Like we do this for the people you know we're gonna keep it real you know we might not say everything you want to hear but we'll touch on at least what you want us to talk about that was that your final thought that's my final thought yeah i almost forgot to say final thought <laughs> that's how long it's been for me uh my final thought is it's a fun team let them grow and um these next 20 games that's going to uh solidify what we see and it, what Sixer team we're going to have going into the uh, playoffs. I can't believe I'm already saying playoffs 20 games in. And and I was the one that was going to temper my expectations. But they look good. They look fun. I appreciate Daryl Morey. I appreciate the coaching staff and what Doc Rivers has done for our Philadelphia 76ers, giving us a team to enjoy every night they play pretty much because even when they lose losing they're still chattering so if you're still chatting about it that means you're enjoying it and when you stop talking about it and you're not chatting about it then you're not enjoying it so that's my final thought hey man listen we'll be back on the next episode uh like nat said hit us up if you got anything that you want us to touch and uh everyone have a good week 
stay masked up, stay COVID free, keep your distance, and be safe. Peace.